Welcome to the Sadler Lectures podcast. Responding to popular demand, I'm converting my philosophy videos into sound files you can listen to anywhere you can take an MP3. If you like what you hear and want to support my work, go to patreon.com sadler. I hope you enjoy this lecture. One key aspect of the Stoic approach to human beings and their relationships with each other, their situatedness within communities, and also their place in the larger scope of the universe, is an attitude that we can call cosmopolitanism. They're not the first people to come up with that word. As a matter of fact, you see some of the cynics, uh, Diogenes, for example, talking about himself being a polites, a citizen of the cosmos, which can be understood as the, the order, the world, or the universe. Now, the question that we want to think about is, what does it really mean to be a citizen of the world? What does it mean to have the world as one's community or as one's city, is how we could actually translate it. So there's a lot of aspects to this that you see running throughout Epictetus's discourses. He doesn't have a chapter specifically on cosmopolitanism, but it's something that he sets forth as an ideal. And I'd like to read you one short passage that gives you sort of a good starting point. This is in Book 3, it's Chapter 24. He says, Shall we not wean ourselves at last and call to mind what we have heard from the philosophers? If indeed we did not listen to them as enchanters when they said that this universe is but a single state, but a single organization, and the substance out of which it has been fashioned is single, and it must needs be that there is a certain periodic change in a giving place of one thing to another, and that some things be dissolved and others come into being, some things to remain in the same place, others to be moved. That's one way to, to think about it. He talks about taking a very broad point of view where we see the whole universe, not only the Earth itself, but the whole universe as one giant system that we're all parts of. Now, when you adopt that sort of point of view, it makes the things that we're engaged in as individuals, as specific people, seem rather small. And so I want to clarify from the beginning that cosmopolitanism does not mean not attending to one's specific relationship. So if one is a child or a parent, a brother or sister, a friend, these things actually matter. They're not lost or swallowed up within the great whole. As a matter of fact, we make our contribution to the entire cosmos by how we conduct ourselves in these determinate relationships that we have been given. That in many ways are dependent on what might appear to be chance. The Stoics would actually say providence or fate. The fact that I was born in this place, the fact that I went to school with this person and became friends with them, all those sorts of things. The fact that I live next door to this person as my neighbor. So it doesn't mean that we don't attend to our individual duties that are indicated to us by our roles and relationships. As a matter of fact, what it means is that we adopt a broader and fuller perspective in which those can have their real meaning in many respects. If, if we isolate ourselves against the rest of humanity just within our little nuclear family or our blended family or whatever kind of family we have or our circle of friends, our clique, or our neighborhood or even our nation, we are in a certain sense not living a full life. We are not being part of that grand connection and communication with all other rational beings and even the rest of, of the cosmos. 
living thing, beautiful things that we could, we could experience, things that we could, we could improve. But it's really about adopting this broader and fuller perspective. One aspect of this that connects directly to these specific relationships is that we should view and treat others equally as parts or as children of God. You might say this is a very religious point of view. Epictetus is probably one of the most religious of the Stoics. It's not quite the same thing as the kind of spirituality or, or religiousness that you would expect from Christians and Jews and Muslims, but there are some things in common with it. He does think that we are, all of us as individuals, as human beings, at least in the higher part of ourselves, the faculty of choice, the rationality, we are parts of God. We contain the divine within ourselves. So that means that when I not only take care of the divine within me by, say, not, you know, eating too much and not mixing it with, you know, indiscriminate sexuality or the sorts of things that he talks about, the human relationships to the divine, we also ought to think about the other people that we're encountering as equally that way. So I can honor the divine in another person by treating them in the way that they ought to be treated by me as a rational being. That doesn't mean that they're going to actually exercise their rationality. He has got plenty of examples. You know, he uses father and brother as prime examples where perhaps your father doesn't treat you the way a father should, but you treat your father the way that you ought to, in part because you're treating your father as something more than just that mean-spirited SOB that you're dealing with, right? Or the same thing with your sibling. Your brother is trying to deprive you of your share of the estate or that's not so common these days, but your brother is trying to get more attention than you and taking up more of your parents' time than, you know, really he deserves. And he thinks that he's doing just the right thing in doing so. Well, you don't have control over that, but you can still treat your brother as somebody who matters. Epictetus actually extends this as far as how we treat those who are in subordinate positions to ourselves. In the ancient times, they had slavery or servitude. In our time, we have... You know, people who are, are subordinated to us in different ways, people who are working for us, perhaps, or who have to deal with us. And do we treat them the way that they ought to be treated? Or do we treat them as somehow lesser and, you know, where their feelings, their thoughts don't matter? This is a very important consideration. So if we're doing that, then we are going to be attending to our specific duties our specific relationships and our roles, and we're going to place it in a larger context. It's not just about what's going on between me and that person. It's not just about how, you know, that's affecting me over time either. It's about the broader community that we're part of and the better part of that community that they are equally a member of, whether they're using it or not, as, as we are. Perhaps they're actually using it more, too, <laughs> I think. Another way that he talks about it is that for the person who actually desires to be a part of it, if we open our eyes, we are part of a divine household, a commonwealth, a state that contains all sorts of friends for us, humans and gods. God with a small g, meaning the great powerful things that help keep the universe going, I suppose. But any sort of rational being that really wants to be rational, we can be friends with. Epictetus thinks that, that wars and strifes arise between us in part because we prioritize our own interest, which is a legitimate thing, our own self-interest. We prioritize that over everything else, and we think that that's where our genuine good lies 
eyes all the time to the exclusion of others, and so things are allowed to come between us. So, you know, when nations go to war with each other, it's because they're not being cosmopolitan. They're not treating each other as if they, they are all genuinely part of one great household, one great economy, oikonomike in the, the Greek. Another thing that he says is that one can live well anywhere. And I've got a few passages that I want to bring up from that. In Book 2, Chapter 16, he has a person lamenting. When then shall I see Athens once more and the Acropolis? And he says, Poor man, are you not satisfied with what you are seeing every day? Have you anything finer or greater to look at than the sun, the moon, the stars, the whole earth, the sea? And if you really understand him who governs the universe and bear him about within you, do you not yet yearn for bits of stone and a pretty rock, meaning the Acropolis? When, therefore, you are about to leave the sun and moon, what will you do? Will you sit and cry as little children cry? Why are you calling yourself a philosopher, if that's the case? We can live well pretty much anywhere. There will be more challenges, of course, in many places. But if we comport ourselves as rational beings, we can get along with anybody else who wants to be rational. And the, the universe itself is full of wonderful things that we can collaborate with and, and cooperate with. A little bit later, he says, uh, this is in Book 3, Chapter 24 again, All things are full of friends, first gods and then also men, who by nature have been made one household with another, and that some men must remain with each other, others must depart, and that though we must rejoice in those who dwell with us, yet we must not grieve at those who depart. We not only have to be willing to accept our own capacity to, to live well anywhere, but we also need to understand that other people require that as well, that perhaps they, they need to go somewhere. And we shouldn't center it entirely on ourselves and how we feel and how we're affected. We should understand ourselves as part of a larger system. Again, just to, to stress this as a last point, cosmopolitanism doesn't mean that we don't focus on the particular, that we don't care about any of the parts. But it means adopting this broader view in which we are able to see things the way that, at least to a certain extent, God might see them where each thing matters and each thing has its place and each thing is connected up with everything else. Special thanks to all of my Patreon supporters for making this podcast possible. You can find me on Twitter at Philosopher70, on YouTube at the Gregory B. Sadler channel, and on Facebook on the Gregory B. Sadler page. Once again, to support my work, go to patreon.com Sadler. Above all, keep studying these great philosophical works.